0: Welcome to the Animation Industry Podcast. My name is Terry and I have seen every single one of Amelia Fart's 354 videos on YouTube. I am just so super pumped about today's chat because it is with my all time favorite animator who has given me so much inspiration in my own work over the years. And I just basically idolize him and think everything he touches is gold. It is none other than the stop-motion animator Max Winston, who has created I Live in the Woods, Mr. Whoopman, and so many other cool projects. In our chat, we're going to talk about how he found success after producing his thesis film, how he's maintained his own studio space, Bat Studios over the years, and how he's gotten big clients like Cartoon Network. Now, besides being a totally rad animator, Max also plays music and is a drummer for the band called The Manx. But before we get into this episode, I have a sponsored message to share with you, and it comes from my friends over at Hue Animation Studio, which is a stop-motion starter kit that introduces beginner animators, age 7 to 13, or really any beginner, to claymation, lip-syncing, rotoscoping, cutout animation, and more. Their kit contains the flexible and posable Hue HD camera with a built-in microphone. They're easy-to-use animation software with onion skinning, time-lapse, and chroma key tools. The Hue book of animation containing step-by-step instructions to create 20 exciting stop motion videos and digital resources such as free sound effects storyboard templates printable backgrounds and activity sheets so if you like to start creating your own stop motion videos but don't know where to start hue animation studio is perfect for you and to check out their stuff just head on over to huehd.com all the links to that are in the description of this chat now let's jump in hi max thank you so much for coming on the animation industry podcast how are you today
1: hello terry yes thank you thanks for having me i'm doing pretty good (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm really excited to chat um, because you're maybe my top favorite stop motion animator. I just love, I just love your work. Oh, so thanks. Yeah, yeah, I want to know, just, I mean, just tell me the story of how you got into animation in general and how you, how you ended up where you are sitting right now in a garage full of equipment that uh, probably cost a lot of money over the years.
1: Yeah, it's, it's all, it's all added up over time. That's for sure. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess like I've always made art in one form or another since as far back as I can remember. Um, luckily, my parents were very supportive of this because they were artists, as they are artists as well. Um. So you know, they always said, "Okay, well, you can go to art school someday. We'll just figure out how to do that." Even though it's an expensive thing that, you know, it costs a lot of money and it's kind of a big, big deal to do, but. They were always 100% there for supporting me to to pursue the arts, I guess I'd say. So I after graduating high school, I didn't quite know, like, I don't know, what are art schools? Where are they? I'm not sure. And so I just worked in a restaurant busing tables for about a year. And um, at some point in that year, one of my friends was like, have you heard of this place, CalArts? They have an experimental animation program. And I was like, wow, that sounds very interesting. Because <laughs> I was into like experimental music and stuff at that time in high school, like John Zorn stuff and whatnot. So I looked into it and I was like, wow, yeah, this seems great. Like, you know, I didn't want to go to school for painting because I wasn't just like a painter I mean, I had all these different kinds of interests. And so I applied and I got in and went to Cal arts. Um, I didn't know till I got there how infamous and world renowned this school was. I just didn't know about that stuff. I didn't know any animator people or like film People, you know um, in the town I grew up in Sonoma it's a small town there's not a lot of there's a lot of artists there but not like back those kind of artists I guess I'd say not many at least um yeah so I went to CalArts and pretty quickly realized I was really into stop motion when I was there um and so I focused on that and then eventually graduated and uh yeah my first job in the industry after graduating was actually just moving motion control equipment from a warehouse to this guy's house for this company image g just for a week it was a short job um and at some point during that week i got a call back because rewinding a little bit i finished I live in the woods that was my the film I made during my last year at CalArts and I'd sent it out to all the stop motion companies which were like five or four or something um and so I eventually got called back from some of them and um screen novelties called me during that week I was moving the motion control equipment and said they loved the film and would love to try me out like a as like an intro kind of rate for, for a bit before they decided to just hire me on. And I was like, okay, yes, of course I will do that. Um, so after that week I started Screen Novelties and um, worked on uh, some a bunch of stuff. At the time they were doing a lot of sub motion for the shows Flapjack and Chowder Cartoon Network shows. So that was the first stuff I I worked on in stop motion. And after a couple of weeks, they said, "Okay, yeah, we would like to hire you on as like a full time fabricator slash stop motion person. And that was kind of like start in the the animation industry. And then throughout that year, I, I ended up animating on Robot Chicken and working at a couple other places and then just kind of met a bunch of people. Within the, the community of stop motion folks, and that's what I've been doing for about twelve years now.
0: <laughs> nice. When you when you uh, first started working at Screen Novelties, what kind of um, like you started as a uh, entry level animator? What kind of shots do they get that type of person to do? Like, are you doing full like character walking and acting, or are well, you doing so... like, close ups of things that are not so complicated?
1: Yeah, so it was. They mostly hired me on at first as a, a fabricator, like puppet fabrication. But I'm also, I mean, what I ultimately am when it comes to submotion is an all-around person, I guess. So I think they saw that in in my film, and then me working there for a couple weeks, they saw that. And they're a very small company, especially at the time. So I think to them, they saw that is a benefit for, for them, you know, like, okay, this guy can bounce around to different tasks, but they, they didn't let me animate right away. And, you know, understandably, because that's the thing I was probably the least proficient in at that time. Um, Eventually, they let me do a few shots here and there. And I don't know if you've seen the show's Chowder or, or Flapjack, The Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack. They'll have a lot of cutaway gag shots where it'll be like a cutaway gag to to a joke that's and they will do that shot in stop motion or sometimes there there was like a minute-long sequence or something so there were a lot of just one-off cutaway gags where we build stuff and then animate it just for that shot and they started letting me do some of those where it usually wasn't full-on characters walking and jumping and stuff it was i mean all kinds of stuff a weird fruit going like i don't want to go or stuff like that so they were, they they started letting me animate more and more as I was there longer. Um, till eventually, I mean, I've worked. I ended up working with them a lot over the years, and I've done, I mean, tons of animation there at this point. But yeah, at first, you know, they didn't just throw me on any old shot. They kind of like eased me into it with like to kind of to kind of prove myself, like which I, you know, I I did have to do at the time, still definitely, where I have to do it less these days. Not that I feel like I never need to prove myself,
0: but yeah i um, just just curious what is like the difference of working at Screen Novelties which you said is kind of smaller versus like Robot Chicken where it's a much bigger studio um and why did yeah. you why did you make that switch or was it just because contract to contracting type of thing
1: it was like I mean yeah well I love Screen Novelties a lot because the the people that own and run it and do the work there are all really cool they're my very close friends um And I love the style they do. Like, we work very well together because we both are kind of pursuing this like cartoony stop motion style. Um, But it was like, it felt like family there. It was just, you know, sometimes it's just like there's six of us there in one space, just kind of doing everything day after day. You get really close to the people there and spend all day with them. Um, Working in Robot Chicken, at at the time it was uh, Shadow Machine was doing Robot Chicken. It was a different experience because yeah, it's a bigger studio. and But I, it still is, it's not huge, you know? I, I mean, there maybe was 60 people there, 50 at the time or something. So you still get to know people in that situation very well as well. And I, I met a lot of great friends who are still my great friends there too. Um, but like I, when I went to Robot Chicken, it was like, it was just to animate, you know? Like you're just animating, which is cool. But I love being at Screen novelties because I could bounce around to many different tasks and do all kinds of a variety of things. So it's, it's like, I guess I'd say Robot Chicken, it's not big enough of a company to where you just feel like a cog in the wheel. You know, you, you feel like a little more than that. It's not like you're just painting fingernails all day for a year or whatever. Um, but I basically, I had sent my, I'd sent I Live in the Woods to, um, to Shadow Machine and eventually got an email back from uh, ethan marak who is was the um animation director at the time and he said he'd love to have me over to do some animation there i think for some weeks or something um i forget how long it was maybe a month and so screen novelties i mentioned it to them and they were like yeah you should go do that you know because they knew i was new and like they didn't want to you know hoard me or whatever like yeah that that's that would be great uh so you know they filled someone else in for the time I was gone or whatever so um it's kind of it it can be very flexible like that you know if 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 Shadow Machine had said come animate for two years I may have been like "Hmm, I don't know if that's exactly what I want to do for two years I like being at Screen Novelties but yeah Screen Novelties the work kind of fluctuated there would be a lot and then not so much and then a lot and so I think it was probably one of those times where there was not so much and they were like yeah okay (laughs) go do that.
0: What was the uh, biggest difference? So you, you made I Live in the Woods, which is like a cult classic at this point and animation in <laughs> it is superb. What is the biggest difference between like animating, well, I guess you animate on your own now, <laughs> but animating something like that, like what did you learn in the studio world that you didn't know about when you made I Live in the Woods, even though you, you like uh, did so many varied things with that film?
1: Yeah I mean well just how the whole studio structure is is structured, you know like how there's these all these different departments and they're all doing their thing and then eventually it all converges down to the animation stage with the puppet and then you're there to animate the puppet and it's uh, you know making a film on my own at school I had no concept of that at all. <laughs> I mean I, I actually had done some internships throughout school so I, I had a understanding of it to a degree, but I hadn't really been a part of it. Um, I interned at at Leica on Coraline actually for part of a summer for a month, which was like mind blowing just to be, and when I was still at school, just to be around that level of production was like, oh my God, I can't believe everything I've seen. Um, So I kind of had some like studio experience, but not really working and being like, oh, this is official now. It's Now it's my job and I'm here and I better do a good job um but yeah just kind of like learning about the structure of it all and how oh there's times when you don't have anything to do because they can't be, put you on a stage so you're just like sitting there like which is just part of it but it's it's stuff like that i just wasn't aware of you know i just figured you just work all the time and you kind of do but there's there's a lot there's a lot of different stuff than just to it than just working all the time
0: <laughs> so you, so you've been animating you said for 12 years and about four years ago you decided to uh forsake the studio life (laughs) yeah and go and go out and and be on be your own studio (laughs) yeah what what was the turning point for you because i guess you'd been animating for eight years was there like a a culminating thing that was or accumulating thing that was like building up and you said like this is i want to do this on my own or like tell me about it
1: yeah it was it was a little bit of that so like soonish within a couple years of after graduating and doing stop motion work for these different companies here and there i also started picking up some of my own freelance shorts because you know i i had some of my own equipment camera and some lights and at the time i lived in a place with a really big garage with some friends so we had like workspace and we're making things uh all the time and whatnot so i started picking up some freelance work like I think the first one I did was for Jib Jab, which was a Christmas song short. Santa Claus is coming to town. I think it's like a minute or something, 50 seconds maybe. But so that was like a stop motion short and put your own kind of style into it. The guy had seen, uh, Evan Ellis had seen my work and really liked it and just thought uh, this guy could do a great Santa Claus thing, I guess. So that was like the first freelance job I did, which was really cool because I'm like, wow, I'm getting paid to make this thing more or less on my own and kind of he's trusting me to, to do it in my own way it was a really cool feeling but then I'd go back and work in the studios again and like I say those that can be really fun I love working screen novelties because I get to put my own style into that stuff because they are our, our styles kind of mesh well together or I go animate somewhere but you know, like when you're animating on something, I keep using Robot Chicken as an example, because it's such a common uh, job for stop motion people to do in LA. <laughs> and it's been running for so long. Um, you know, if you animate Robot Chicken, that, well, that can be really fun too. And everyone has different desires and needs. I, I had a lot of fun animating on it because it's usually just very silly, crazy, whacked out, sometimes super violent, just stuff. It's just fun jokes. But ultimately, it's like I'm moving someone else's puppet that, you know, I may, sometimes I walk on the set and just be like, I mean, I'm not trying to talk shit about anyone, but it's like, you know, I hate how this looks. Like, I would never make this look this way, but I can still have fun animating it, you know, because you can still put character into things and whatever. But over time, I got more freelance jobs where I would get to put my creative spin on an idea or, you know, design everything basically expressed a lot of my own creative ideas in these freelance jobs and over the over the time and over years it was kind of back and forth freelance jobs studio jobs and eventually I just realized man I just I I do like doing it all but what I really love is when I get to call the shots you know like where I get to make all or most of the creative decisions in which case that those were that's what I get to do with freelance work in my own studio, which I'm in right now, as you can see. This isn't my bedroom, believe it or not. Um, Yeah, so I eventually, after years of doing that, I realized, man, I I just wanna put more of my stuff out there and I want more opportunities related to that as opposed to more opportunities animating on someone else's idea. And so I just decided to, to put my fist down on myself and just say, I'm going to say no to studio jobs now and just pursue getting more freelance jobs so I can satisfy my creative urges all the time instead of half-ish the time. <laughs>
0: that takes a lot of guts, though, because like, you know, you're well-known, you're doing good work, studios know you. Did you have offers to come and work at a studio and you internally were like, I have to say no to this? And then you said no without knowing what your future was going to be like?
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly what I said I was going to do. I was like, okay, I'm even if I don't have a job at the moment and someone approaches me to come animate on a project for a substantial amount of time, I'm still going to say no, even though I don't, I don't have work because who knows, in a couple of weeks, someone could reach out to me and ask me to do uh, something I really want to do in my own way and stuff. So, because there were times when I got approached to do a project, a freelance project, but I was busy animating for a few months on the show. And so... That always felt kind of bags. I'm like, oh, man, I'm missing out on expressing my own ideas because I'm committed to this. And it has happened where people have reached out to me and asked me to come work, you know, long term or longish term on their projects. And I've I've said no. Usually I say no because I'm already busy. But I have said no, even if I'm not busy, just because, like I say, I I'm trying to put feelers out there and, and bring more work in to my own, my own space. And my were you, own-
0: were you working on your own project when you made this decision or were you like finishing up something or like, I'm just wondering, cause it was yeah. like, that's a scary decision to make.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, at the same time, it was like, okay, if this fails, it's not like I was gave everyone the finger, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's like if it was just not working and, and I wasn't getting any work on my own, I could probably reach out to the studio and be like, hey, I'm available to you, are you going to have work coming up? You know, I, I, it's like, I had the plan, but you know, I wasn't going to die on the hill. <laughs>
0: right. So you had um, a plan B, even though you didn't intend to ever execute it, I guess. And you also, yeah. it's, it sounds like you, you had done enough freelance and were confident that you could pursue this as like, it felt safe, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was it's not like I had just, you know, graduated school and said, I'm only going to say yes to my own work. Yeah. You know, like, I built up, uh, I've done work for a lot of different clients and a variety of people. So yeah, at this point, I, it's not like I'm always getting job offers or anything, but I, yeah, I did want to say, okay, I did say like, I don't want to miss out on potential opportunities so I'm just sticking to my own studio situation and in hopes to to grow it as well you know uh, what did
0: fun. uh how did conversations with your friends go at the time people that were like working in the studios because because like I don't know I'm a stop motion person and, and every stop motion person I talk to loves to fabricate and do all the things right and and to like they have their own ideas um so I'm assuming a lot of people kind of want to do what you're doing but stick to the studio contract life because maybe it's it feels more secure so how did how did I'm, I'm just making a judgment but how did your conversation with your friends go when you said hey guys uh won't be seeing you at uh screen novelties anymore yeah. I'll be in my garage from now on <laughs> yeah
1: well it's it's interesting yeah a lot of people i know i guess maybe that's like a inflated way of saying it but people say oftentimes to me like man you, you're living the dream you know you're over there is doing your stuff you know like well yeah like to a point it, it's i i see it more as like a grass is always greener kind of thing because <laughs> there's great benefits to what i'm doing and there's great downsides to what i'm doing and yeah it's but i think people going to studios every day they're kind of on the grind you know like gotta be there 9 a.m to 7 a.m p.m. whatever just day after day. And it, it can wear you down. And I, I think people see what I'm doing is just working for myself, I guess, instead of working for someone else, which is nice about it, a nice thing about it. But a lot of people God, just put it that way to me, I guess, where they're, they're kind of envious of my situation. But honestly, after I work alone for a while, because I'm just here by myself day after day, it's kind of weird. Like, I mean, And yeah, and this whole quarantine thing, uh, it's it's kind of like all right. I guess I'm gonna do what I've been doing for a while. But like, I miss the people. I love the people I I get to work with. You know, they're a lot of my friends, and they're they're awesome people that are really fun to be around. And I miss I oftentimes miss being around them and just seeing people I like every day. (laughs) So it's kind of like it's a grass is always greener kind of thing. Is when I'll go to a studio and and do work there. I'd I would get the feeling like, man, I wish I was working from home again. <laughs> so,
0: we, uh, maybe there's a happy medium where you like work at a studio for a couple months and then do your own thing the rest of the year. So, how do you? Okay, so yeah. um, you know, you had built up a bunch of, I guess, clientele with your freelance projects at the time. How do you kind of predict like stability going forward? Like, do you do you have like a, I don't know, like a, a whole bunch of people that are? I guess I'm trying to ask how do you how do you get more freelance projects? And how do you make that into a stable thing?
1: Well, it's a great question, mostly because it's something I haven't completely figured out yet.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Four years in, what's that? Four years in. Maybe you don't need to figure it out.
1: (laughs) No, it's like, yeah, I know, I know what you mean. It's like it's it's working out well enough so far, Um, but it's it's tricky. Like in terms of stability, like the way I'm doing this, I mean, there's very little to no stability. It's kind of just like, it's a wild roller coaster ride, really. Like I sometimes, it's, it can be a when it rains, it pours kind of thing, right? Sometimes I have all these, a handful of people coming at me at the same time trying to get me to do jobs. And I'm like, uh, oh, I'm doing this one. And then sometimes it's like, I have no idea what I'm gonna do after this thing's done in three months at all. I hope something comes up in those three months. Cause if it doesn't, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, like, and then in terms of stability, it's like, I don't have any like benefits or anything. I don't have, I just recently got health insurance cause I finally decided to pay for it myself after years of not having it. Um, but it's just like, I don't get anything like that, any kind of business or whatever work benefits and stuff. It's there. It's not, it's not a stable, uh, thing that i'm doing i'm pretty much doing it so i in the pursuit of attempting to make a great piece of art you know <laughs> like i'm kind of i'm making a lot of sacrifices to in that pursuit really yeah. and, um but the thing is i don't i'm also doing this now because and part of the reason i decided to do this a few years ago was like well i don't have any kids i don't have like i didn't buy a house where i have house payments i I don't have a lot of obligations financially, so I can take the chance and see how it goes. And yes, I'm still alive. And yes, I can buy food currently, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, it's been pretty, pretty difficult at times. Um, And sometimes it's not, it's just, it really is a roller coaster. I'm trying to figure out how to make it more stable and make it uh, like more of a future kind of a thing I can do in, in 10 years be in a better position than I'm in now instead of the same or worse you know but um I guess like it but also at the same time by doing this work I get more of this work because the more of it I do then then it gets put out there people see it and then people usually come to me because they've seen something I did and they want something like that or whatever so and in my head i'm just like well i just will try to do something great and then someone will see it think it's great and they'll come to me for something like that and it'll and that's kind of how it has worked so far I, usually when people come to me there and they have seen something I, i've done so which kind of means my plan's working i guess because that was the idea it was like put more of the stuff out there so i can do more of it so it's working i'm just i'm trying to figure out how to make it uh more prosperous than it, it has been
0: <laughs> fair enough well your stuff is super unique and amazingly well done so it's it definitely stands out and uh like i've been following your work since you were in cal arts basically when oh, cool. when i saw i live in the woods came out <laughs> i was like what who is this guy where did this come from
1: <laughs> um that's, that's awesome yeah people still i still get people approaching me to do jobs from based on I live in the woods actually, which is crazy because that film is about twelve years old now and it still resonates with people. So
0: okay, let's. Let, I like your idea of I'm going to do good work and that'll lead to more good work. And I guess you've had that kind of philosophy philosophy even kind of subliminally since you did I live in the woods because that still stands out and it's great work. What was your if you think back to when you created that? What was your intention or goal with that movie? Were you saying to yourself, I want to create something? Uh, like studio level and unique that stands out and will get me a job or were you like i'm going to have fun just doing whatever i want while i'm in school like what what was the underlying goal yeah. you were trying to achieve by creating that thing that yeah, is was your more, calling card for 12 years yeah. later
1: <laughs> yeah it was more of the ladder like what <laughs> of what you just said um i mean so yeah i had made a few films a couple films in my Pre- the, the years previous to that and, and Cal arts. Yeah. And so my second year, I was like, I want to make this epic film. It's going to be just like this epic thing. And it was very epic, but to the point where I didn't finish it my second year, I it continued into my third year and I finished it the third year. Um, It's called ripe rock and that's out there as well. I'm still proud of it, but you know, I'm still learning a lot at that time. And so I had one more year in school. I was like, all right, I just have to make something crazier, but less like i don't know less epic like the last one so i already had made this comic that i based i live in the woods on just a three or four page comic so like this would be a crazy film i'll just since i already have this kind of plotted out in a way i'll i'll use this because i already have the idea i can just hit the ground running when my last year at cal art starts um but yeah and and so i at that point, I'd been in school for a few years and I don't know how it is at all schools, but at CalArts, they you watch a lot of animation at your time at CalArts. Um, old stuff, new stuff, shorts, a lot of you see tons of students' films because there's a lot of students there. And I just I just had this feeling that like I just want to make something like by the by that time, I there's a ton of incredibly talented students there and they make a lot of great work. But it started to feel like I've seen a lot of stuff that kind of people repeating things they've seen. And just, I was like, I want to make something that's just unlike anything I've ever seen before. Cause why else should I even make something? You know, I just started having thoughts like that. And I, I love like horror, horror films and crazy B movie gore and stuff. And I was like, you know, I've never made a film that really reflects the stuff I truly love and like. And I think because I've been nervous that other people won't like it or they'll be put off by it or something. And I just realized, I just wanna throw all that out the window and just make exactly what I wanna see. And I don't care if, if anyone likes it or hates it or or anything. I just want to, to make it. And I wanted to make a film, I wanted to shoot a film outdoors just so i could be outdoors (laughs) instead of being a dark room all the time so that was i was going to shoot the whole thing outdoors at first but i decided against that because it was a little too complicated um and i ultimately wanted to make a film that just made people want to explode you know and just get up and run around and go crazy and so i had these ideas like that and that's why I made Island in the Woods. I didn't know I had I didn't know if anyone was gonna like it. And I didn't care. And that was the first time I felt that way. You know, like I like you, you mentioned, like I wasn't trying to make a film that studios would like or that anyone would like. I just figured if I like it, there's probably gonna be other people out there that like it as well. And it was it was really rewarding to find that that was true because that film was very successful, it was in tons of festivals got an honorable mention at Sundance and was like nominated for a student academy award and stuff. And I just, it was really, it felt great. Not be just because, you know, awards and all that stuff feel great because I was like, wow, I made this thing that is pretty crazy and wild and people, um, you know, relate to it actually, which I had no idea if anyone would, I just made it cause I wanted to see it. So, and I, I think it was actually also a reaction to, to seeing people make films because they wanted to fit in at a studio eventually or something like that like i saw i did see a lot of that at calarts um cuz there's the character animation department there which is filled with incredibly talented students i was in experimental animation which character is more you know stereotypically disney pixar stuff experimental is all over the place but that's where the stop motion gear is um, and I would just see a lot. You're like, you'd see someone's film like, oh, well, they obviously want to work at Disney and stuff like that. And I just I was like, I don't want to make something like that. Like, I, yeah, I just wanted to make something that came from, from as much from my heart as I as I could. You know,
0: well, look at you. You wanted to create something from your heart. And now you're working day to day in that situation. Tell, I really love what you said about just creating something without wanting to make it for somebody else or consider someone else. I actually think that if you, the more you think about, at least with art, what other people want, the less it actually becomes something that people stands out or people even like or feel resonation with. And the more you dig into yourself and kind of block out those thoughts, the better it becomes. So I guess over your career, um have you been trying to get back to that because you said that was the first time you ever felt like that have you been trying to recreate that feeling with your stop motion work or or that sentiment
1: yeah i would say it's something i always try to to keep in mind and i am able to to do to approach things that way to in varying capacities depending on the project basically i would say like that uncle i made this uncle grandpa short called total reality um uncle grandpa was a show on cartoon network and pete browngart the creator of it was friends with me because well i storyboarded on flapjack for a little bit and we were storyboard partners and he loved the stuff i do and so he was like hey do you want to do a sequence or uh, like a, a whole basically episode of uncle grandpa they were doing an episode that he was having different animators do use the characters in their own style and they'd put it all together into one episode. So there's like three or four shorts in the episode. I was like, yes, of course I want to do that. And he trusted me and uh, trusted me and just wanted me to go all out. And I, that really felt like, wow, I'm making my own film just with these existing characters, but I also reinterpreted them and completely redesigned them and stuff. And, it was, I mean, there was no limitations. The only limitations were no sex and no gore. <laughs> it was for Cartoon Network. So, <laughs> you know, it was really, yeah, I'm like, oh man, the only two things I love, I'm not allowed to, do. <laughs> you know? um, no, and of course, like that just, you know, it was, I was very, it was very, uh, and a very freeing kind of like uh, approach and experience. So that really felt like, I mean, that was five years after I lived in the woods and I was thinking what i was doing i was like man this is, feels great it's like i'm making my own film um and i i do feel like that's maybe the best or one of my favorite things i've made since i live in the woods at that point um and you know then other jobs it's like make this candy cane dance around it's like okay like i'll do that it'll look cool and fun and cartoony but i can't like really just pour myself into it yeah um i made a music video for my band um that's called hateful goo that's the name of the song and the video and that was um another thing where i mean so that was about five years after the uncle grandpa short i realized and i did that because i was like okay i i need to just do something exactly how i want to do it kind of like i was saying with i live in the woods you know like no one telling me what to do nothing like that um just all from from stuff i especially i have had I've, i had had all these ideas in my head for years leading up to that that i hadn't been able to use in anything and i was like i'm gonna put all of these in this crazy band um obviously they didn't pay me to do it it was just like me taking about five or six months of my time to to do that i i only lost money making that music video but i really felt like i need to you know put my money where my mouth is or put myself where my mouth is and just make something that is feels representative of what's inside me again you know and so i did that and i i made the music video and it was a a lot of work and just a lot of experimentation and kind of figuring stuff out figuring myself out throughout it um i'm very proud of that i i feel like i guess like we were saying yeah, that was another project where I, I got to approach, I got to approach that way, but only not because anyone gave me permission to, well, real, I mean, you could say my band gave me permission to, but really they've been begging me to make music video right. for years. And I finally was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Cause I didn't have any work coming up. I'm like, this may be just the time I can do this. Um, and like, what came from that? I, I don't know. I mean, I've gotten praise from my peers who, who love it. I sent it to music video, uh, like festivals or just film festivals. It got into some, it got rejected from a lot. Um, but you know, I did it just to satisfy these creative urges I had and I'm super proud of it. To me, it's, it's probably like the best thing I I've made, but I do think it may be, I don't know, maybe went over, people's heads i'm not i'm not sure you know i, I, I don't know and i'm not saying because it's so good at whenever people says i i'm sometimes i'm just like did i go too far into myself for that one
0: or <laughs> not far enough well if it if you yeah. think i've watched it like 15 times in a row <laughs> oh cool <laughs> and i've also <laughs> studied yeah. your uncle grandpa like frame by frame the uh <laughs> when you make the tiger turn into different objects and it's only yeah. for like a second each time it's I, somehow you've done it so clearly with I, I don't even know how you how you did some of it to be honest and i've i've looked at each frame multiple times
1: oh cool <laughs> yeah that was like that was so fun because they just any idea i had it was like in oh, really the cool. sets
0: where you have like all that glass every it's it's insane anyways i yeah uh, i
1: love obviously if you've watched the April view video you know i love just reflective things reflecting things. yeah shiny glass, weird shaped objects.
0: So (laughs) let's talk about, I have a, maybe I'll ask this question later, but first I want, you said you were diving into yourself. What are you trying to tell through stop motion visually? Because you you do a lot of experimental stuff and you do a lot of stuff that I've never seen and from any major animation studio or on TV or anything before, and you make it work. Like what is the visual storytelling you're trying to accomplish? Uh, What's behind it that produces what we see?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I guess it's different for each project, but I mean, it's, yeah, it's sort of a a hard question, but I mean, ultimately I think I'm, I'm trying to just create things that I, that I don't normally see really. And because for me personally, that's why that's the reason to create something for me personally i say you know it's like why would i want to do something that is is kind of a like like something that i have already seen out there and i'm not that doesn't mean i'm saying everything i do is 100 original but i i am striving to and and trying things out and not second guessing everything just doing it keeping it feeling raw so it, the idea is out there rather than getting polished over to the point where it's no longer fresh to me you know um and i, I think with with animation and, and with character animation when it comes to stop motion i i just I prefer exaggeration. Like I my, my favorite, I love so many different kinds of animation. Um, but for me, this cartoons just is probably my favorite genre of animation, like Looney Tunes or Betty Boops, stuff like that. Um, and I I love cartoons because you can push and exaggerate expressions in ways that like can show you more about that emotion than any other medium really. And that's something that really excites me about it. Where, and that ties into storytelling because storytelling oftentimes has, you know emotional arcs and stuff. And if you can push those emotional arcs visually with the character in, in in new and exciting ways it's like it can show people different ways that you can feel and think and stuff. And that's, that's what I'm attempting to do. Um, but it's I don't know if I've gotten there, or I don't know if I'll get there. But I'll keep trying.
0: <laughs> so say say I come up to you and I'm like, hey Max, I have a hundred million dollars. Uh, any any equipment you want, any time you want. What are you gonna? What do you? What is your dream project that that's uh, unlimited resources? Even yeah. if a hundred million is limiting you somehow.
1: <laughs> well, that sounds pretty cool. I would I would not turn that. Well I mean like what 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 would <laughs> yeah. you
0: do if you had uh, unlimited resources on this train of thought
1: Yeah well I I do ultimately want to make a feature film someday like you know ideally direct the feature film rather than make the entire thing myself cuz yeah. oh I guess I haven't mentioned in this interview but most of the freelance jobs I do I do most of the work if not all of it on my own sometimes I do hire people here and there for certain amounts of time to build the set or or sometimes build puppets or whatever. But I my budgets don't always uh accommodate that. And it's also easier for me if I don't have to think about involving a bunch of people in my small space. As you can see, not that many people figure. But um I yeah I would I really want to make a feature film and that's probably what I if someone approached me with that is what I would would say I wanted to do um and you know outside of my garage studio as well in terms of the actual idea I'm not sure yet really like I have some concepts I've been bouncing around over the years um that i think could be cool for features but i haven't like written the scripts or anything yet i've i've heard from some people that are uh well that have been more far more successful than me that they have recommended to find a a book i think is super cool that i would love to adapt into an animated film because at that point whoever is putting up the money they're not you know taking a hundred percent chance with the first time director first time feature director with the totally original idea they're taking something this first time feature director with an idea that's been proven in some way like oh your interpretation of that would be really cool as opposed to like your interpretation of your own weird idea i don't know like (laughs) so i think that may be something i've worked towards but i do want to direct at least one feature film in my lifetime if 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 not more you know but I, in terms of the ideas, I'm still like, I I kind of feel like, it's weird. I feel like I should cross that bridge when I get there, but at the same time, I should maybe preemptively cross that bridge. So if the opportunity comes up, I could just have something there, but it's all in the the process, I'd say.
0: (laughs) How would you, I guess, I'm just trying to think, how would you work towards you know you're doing freelance gigs right now how would you work towards directing a feature film would you because because there are like uh many indie directors with indie films is that is that what you're kind of talking about
1: yeah yeah something like that like you assemble it it's not you know not like assembling getting a space and assembling the uh, crew and everything for this one project like i mean you know they did that with you know, Nightmare Before Christmas and then that led to other things like the same company made James the Giant Peach years later and stuff um, and of course Henry Selick is stop motion master <laughs> now <laughs> um, but yeah an independent feature not necessarily it would have to be like big blockbuster thing just like I, I love the format of a feature film just there's all this there's a lot of time to Tell a story and really elaborate on parts of it, um, and go, you know, into multiple journeys along the ultimate journey. Um, yeah, that's what I am ho- hoping to do someday. In terms of working towards that, I I don't really know. I'm not sure how to get there. It's weird. I obviously everyone else's perception of me is different than my own, but it seems that I have this, like I'm like well-regarded in what I do. And it's the stuff is, my stuff is known by people. Like I'll I'll meet people, not these days, obviously, but before COVID, I would just meet people out and around, uh, I don't know, animation parties or whatever. And people, I have no idea who they are. They're like, oh, you're Max Winston. I love your stuff. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, or you know, the Cartoon Network executive is like, everyone here is obsessed with your work. I'm like, Oh, okay. a contract okay, well, for a movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm like, well, if you like it that much, I, no, but I was like, oh, okay. I don't have a perception of that because I'm just here, kind of like working, I, I uh, on my own, you know. um But I, I, I there's like positives and negatives of that because I kind of think people see me as just, you know, this weird guy that makes these crazy things on his own in his garage, where I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to. Uh, change that perception because i i see myself as more than that (laughs) of course yeah but i i I want to to be more than that i want to accomplish more than that go further than that and but like how do i how do i change people's perception from that to like this guy's ready to head a team of people or whatever it's a it's a thing i'm not sure i don't know how to how to get there but like I say, I and, and the, my mentality is like just, just every job I get, just do the best jo- job I possibly can on it to make it as great and as cool as I can, and then m- hopefully that'll lead to bigger things. You know, that that's just the mentality I have and the one I know how to how to live with. I
0: guess. <laughs> okay, so so I love that, but let me maybe challenge you on that because yeah. on the other side, um, you're doing this by yourself. And I guess what you're learning to do is to do more amazing work by yourself instead of building up a team slowly over time. So one of my questions that I said, maybe I'll ask later was something I thought of before when you said, I have to turn down work sometimes. Like what's stopping you from, uh, I don't know, hiring, saying yes to uh, to maybe two or three other jobs while you're working on a job and kind of hiring some animators and directing them. And maybe, yeah, that, that's like a temporary thing and it lasts for those gigs and then you have to scale down and then uh, wait for the next gigs. But over time, you might, you know, you figure out how to bring in more business and you work with more people and you slowly work your way up and then suddenly you're directing and then you have bigger projects coming your way. It's You, you know what I'm saying, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Um, how, what are your thoughts on that?
1: <laughs> well, I would love to do that first first we
0: have to solve the pandemic
1: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah that that's definitely been thrown a few things off but you know i I also i don't want to use that as as an excuse for you know anything although like i say i have had people in here working with me um the short i made that plain jane short i made kind of recently that was puppets my friend built the sets, you know, I had people working on that and I was directing them and whatnot. Um, I've done that before too. I, that's, I guess what I'm saying is I have said yes to multiple jobs at once and tried to kind of make it work. And it is just about killed me, oh, no! <laughs> not because I can't like work hard. Cause I always work hard, but just, I don't have the, uh, the facility to facilitate such a situation like i have a steer car garage i do all my work in and i can only fit so much in here and i can only have so many people in here and the jobs only provided so much money so i i would love to just hire more people or get a bigger space to like fill for this for this stuff but i th- i guess it oftentimes comes down to the budgets i oftentimes get while they're they're good. Oftentimes I'm satisfied with them. They're not usually enough to like make that jump to rent a bigger space yeah. and fill it with more people where that's something I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to figure out to do is get higher paying work basically. So I could be like, now's the time this project will keep it going for even just six months and a bigger space get get a a handful of people in there and and do it and do this kind of like what you're describing um it's also something it's hard to to do on my own like to to do a project while i'm like leading it to the next destination um i i want to get like a producer I, i i was working with um dylan markey my friend who's also a great stop motion animator he was producing those projects when i was doing plain jane and these trolley spots and a few other things and um he was working as the producer then so he was kind of organizing everything that that was cool but at the same time now i just have one job going and so you know he can't just stick around for that or doesn't really need to stick around for that he also has his own stuff going on so I, i would like to find a producer that could put the feelers out to, to get bigger, bigger jobs, bigger work that then I could take that next step up. So, you know, I can focus on the creative things while someone else can focus on the business things, which I'm, you know, admittedly not as good at, although I've made it this, this far and some moderately successfully. You know? yeah. um, but it's, that is what I want to go towards. I'm just kind of trying to figure out how, how to, to do that, how to get there and yeah. Um. it's weird it's like I don't sometimes when I even talk about this I feel like am I just making a bunch of excuses as to why I'm in this situation not in other words I I hope I'm not um I just think I I guess I'm saying I I think I ultimately need more just like more people working with me e- even one or two like like um you know if I had it if I was if so I had Ratbat Studios as my studio it's mostly just me if Ratbat Studios was like three people that that work and that pursuit could be more balanced between the powers of two or three people as opposed to one meanwhile i have to find someone that just has the faith in me because i can't afford to pay them to be here most of the time you know so it's a it's a weird it's a weird thing but yeah i definitely don't think i'm gonna just like get plucked out of my garage and put on like directing a feature film i there's some bridge between those two things that i I'm going to start trying to figure out how to pursue soon. <laughs> even like later this year after this current job I'm doing, I'm hoping.
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously it's easier said than done. I'm making it seem very easy and it's extremely difficult are. to do. Not many people or businesses even make it that far. Um, sounds kind of like you need a, a partner who is uh, like, maybe also a really good friend who knows you who's, who's good at that side of I think
1: I do, you know, and I mean, as I say, my friend Dylan Markey, um, he was, was acting as that. I mean, he is one of my best friends and he's incredibly talented and honestly, he's better at business stuff than me. He doesn't claim to know anything about it, but if you ask me, he does. (laughs) Um, And so that could be another, like we, may get back together in the future to to try to to try to pursue that because he had really great ideas of how to potentially pursue that um, and we still talk about them sometimes. it's just like trying to figure out how to just be kind of both of us be here full time for it was getting a little tricky but it's something that is like you know on the sidelines that is I can definitely see coming back. At bringing that situation back again. We'll have
0: to, we'll have to do another podcast episode after you figure it out. Cause I'm sure it's going to be an interesting journey. What if you said to yourself, just yeah. like when you did the freelance thing where you said, I'm not taking any jobs anymore that are contract. I'm going to do my own thing. What if you did something similar internally where you're like, I'm pursuing this actively now uh, starting tomorrow type of thing. You might, I don't know. You might figure it out, but uh, yeah, no, I know. feel like make a, the great proclamation to yourself
1: is like, probably one of the only ways to really get things done and i guess yeah that's that is something that is a good approach potentially i'll have to think about that
0: (laughs) (laughs) life-changing podcast maybe we should lighten lighten up the topic a a little bit i'm just wondering do you have any kind of tricks of the trade of of uh doing stop mo or bringing in the illusion or uh swapping things out and making it work because uh, when I've watched your work, um, and then I've like gone back later and studied it frame by frame. I'm always surprised at how sometimes there's very little movement or quick movement that like when I'm animating myself, I wouldn't even attempt. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's going to be too quick. And then when I watch your work, I can't think of an example off the top of my head, if you know what I mean, I watch yeah, no, your work I and it makes sense. And then about. when I go frame by frame, I'm like, what, there's no in between here. There's just a switch and it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Do you have any tricks that you can share that aren't so secret
1: (laughs) well yeah i i tend to be pretty open about my methods and techniques just because i feel like just telling one something to someone doesn't mean they're gonna even do it they still have to put in the work to figure out how how to to do it (laughs) if they're willing to then they deserve to know how to do it (laughs) um but i so like most of the work i do is basically on twos as opposed to ones or whatever other way you may want to animate um and i do have to say you can get away with a lot more animating on twos um in terms of popping things around and being more uh, bouncy (laughs) like yeah more cartoony exaggerated you can basically get away more with twos and that's not exactly a secret i guess or like once you know that you could do anything but i'm currently doing a project and I'm ending up animating a good chunk of it on ones or I'll go back and forth from twos to ones, depending on what's going on. And, um, or sometimes if there's a camera move, I oftentimes do the camera moves on ones. Cause sometimes the camera move on twos is just too stroby. And if oftentimes if you do a camera move on, on ones, you kind of have to animate on ones. And that's, that's more challenging to do my own kind of cartoony, popping style on ones because it's harder to just make something appear from here to there and make it believable. It's like wait, like your eyes need something in between there to and then at that point it may feel too smooth and not like bah poppy. Um, so that's that, that's something try if you try animating on twos if, if you're used to animating on ones and you may find you can get away with more uh, extremities, I guess I'd say um but also yeah well you just made me think of this one when you're saying like oh i'm i'm kind of afraid to try that because i think it won't be it won't be it won't feel right or something that's something i try to do is just not be timid with my animation it's just i i take chances and experiment with movement and don't second guess things because and that's how i've learned a lot from just you know, instead of being like, I don't think this is going to work, just trying it and seeing if it works. And, you know, you may be surprised that oftentimes may work more than you'd think. I still like when I'm animating, I'll do one move, I'll do another. And before I take the frame, I'm flipping and I'm like, uh, this doesn't feel right. Like this does not feel like this is going to go right, but I'm just going to go with it. And then a few frames later, I'm like, it's exactly what I wanted, you know, but like it needed those few f- more frames for me to realize it was right. Yeah. And that, that, you know, if I was more timid at that point, I would be like, no, I'm just going to bring it back. Cause it's just not going to work. And then it would have, would have,
0: you just described out. me right there, <laughs> constantly <laughs> deleting and going back and reposing. And <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: and that is part of, of learning. And I mean, I forget it's, you've been doing it for a couple of years now, I think.
0: Yeah. Just a couple of years.
1: Yeah, which I mean, your your stuff really looks great. I, I'm surprised you've only been enemy for just a couple of years.
0: Um, well, but a bunch, a bunch when I was in high school, and then oh, the that's ten year cool. gap, and then a couple of years. So
1: yeah, but that but that's all part of learning too. Is like, you know, what, what you just described basically. <laughs> um, try like trying things out, but also being kind of afraid to try things out because you may mess up mess it up. Um, I just try to. it's weird i've talked about about this with one of my friends where we talk about animation a lot where it's like well part of the reason my stuff looks the way it does is because i'm very particular with how i want things to look in terms of design and and everything i just i see things a certain way and i really think they should be that way (laughs) um and then that goes in terms of how i approach movement as as well but at the same time i'm not like super picky about about movement you know it's it's i it's uh, it's a little hard to describe it you know if things are a little off and just here and there or like oh i didn't do follow through with that hand when i should have and it's kind of chickadee now i don't really care i mostly care about like how does it overall feel like how mm-hmm. does the shot feel when you just watch it overall not like let me you know nitpick every little thing about it just does it feel good when you watch it and and when i've opened myself to that idea uh a lot of you know there's a lot of room for i guess uh how would i put it like i don't know uh, like happy accidents or something <laughs>
0: sure yeah. Yeah. yeah Bob Ross.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> well yeah that's that's like, i was thinking about about bob ross and i was thinking about this subject too because because he's i was um my girlfriend had never seen bob ross and so we just i showed her some like on youtube or whatever And she's a painter and well first of all i mean he's an incredible painter he's he's so good um and he's so relaxing to watch but he's like he's doing this thing he's like you know just put some of the Put some of the black up there, just you know, there, like there. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Just you know, okay. Put some black in here, maybe up there. it Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. And I'm like, that's so funny. He keeps on saying it doesn't matter, and I'm like, I'm like how does that matter? He he's like, it's with intention, right? Like he's he has this great intention, but at the same time, he's just super loose with it, and it feel but it feels great overall, you know. And that's that's how I try to think of my animations sometimes when I'm doing it. I'm like. If I get stuck on something, I'm just like, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Just just go through it and then see where it goes.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm gonna try out this mentality. I have a a gig coming up that I really want to do some kind of off the beat stuff from my usual stuff. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this in mind for when uh, I'm cool. animating. This is helpful Sounds for me. Exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering maybe as we're just kind of finishing up this chat, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Oh. Uh, I'm not sure, really. Uh, how, about, how about this? What is, what is the, I mean, you, you've had a 12-year career, specifically in a very niche, of a niche industry, stop motion. What is the mentality that you kind of rely on that has kept you going from the start when you think back to, I want to get into an art school, and then now you're, I want to become a feature film director. What is, that, what is, what is the underlying mentality that has guided you through all of this
1: yeah i mean probably multi- <laughs> yeah i know it, it is it's a tough question and there's probably we
0: many need to take things. a psych course before we can answer this
1: <laughs> no yeah no it's i mean it's a it's a worthy question it's a good question it's just like yeah it's uh i mean some things like for me i, and I guess it all depends on your personal goals and like what you want to pursue and why and stuff because i do know some people where they're like i don't want to end me i just want to make puppets and that's it like i don't want to direct anything you know not everyone has the same desires and stuff so but for me someone that has all these ideas wants to get them out there in this specific way um i like i do think really think like trying to figure out who who i who i am and how, how I see the world and how I can communicate that visually has been a thing that really drives me, has driven me throughout all this sort of stuff, you know? And it, it's also what has made me stand out amongst other stop motion things, I guess, is because I just have that in mind, like, as opposed to, oh, for, first thing that comes to mind, oh, Leica did it this way, so I want to try to do it that way, you know? like it's great. I'm not talking shit about (laughs) like, um, I just, you know, that that's what has, I think brought me here and kept me going is just kind of, yeah, that like this, this pursuit of sort of trying to, trying to figure out how I, how I see the world and then trying to figure out how to best communicate that to visually. And then, so other people can, can pick up on it and, hopefully be inspired by it and then hopefully go do that for themselves you know um oh, i think that's a working. good thing for a lot of artists to do and it's, it's very easy to to be like i mean i don't say easy but it's kind of easy to fall into like things are done this way so i'm going to do them this way but i i think when stuff gets real special and and lasting is when someone has dug into themselves to to figure those things out and then communicate them to
0: to whoever <laughs> i really like that and i like that that's kind of the driving force behind where you've ended up and i think that's that's really great because it's it's obviously working um and you're putting out good stuff and inspiring people like me so yeah thank you cool. thank you for pursuing that mission accomplished yes. <laughs> <laughs> i'm done that's
1: it I've, career I've, over I've goodbye the, yeah okay. <laughs> so, i guess oh no, that, that's great though like it's well it's great oh it's cool that to hear you that you have enjoyed my work and been inspired by it because ultimately that's you know that's a nice thing to hear I guess is you know I'm not just doing it for myself I'm doing it for others as well
0: (laughs) on that on that note is there anything that uh, maybe you thought of that you wanted to share now
1: (laughs) well let me tell you no um yeah I'm I'm not sure like I mean I love animation it's something I could talk about probably forever so we can keep going um start a a podcast uh, then
0: you will (laughs) yeah
1: yeah (laughs) um i ultimately do i i do feel that animation can save the world in ways because i feel that it can greatly inspire an individual and that individual could go on to contribute to something that does save the world so i that's something else that just keeps me going to animation because i'm like this is good for the world it's good for people and it could ultimately save the planet
0: i love that i <laughs> i think that's a great note to end up on. <laughs> <laughs> well- max thank you so much for coming on the chat it's been an absolute pleasure to to hear your journey and, and to pick your brain. And uh, I'm really happy you said yes to coming on the chat. So thank you.
1: Well, thank you, Terry. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you asked me to be on here. If anything, it's just you know fun to talk to a new friend and um, get some social interaction these days, which I've yeah. had less than I even normally would have.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, thanks. And uh, if you're listening and you want to reach out to Max or follow his work or any stuff like that, you can uh, look him up on Instagram under Mad Max Winston, or go to his website, which is ratbatstudio.com. And I'll include both those links in the description of this podcast. And that's all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, bye. The music for this podcast was composed by Will Farmer and the graphics by Daniel Abensauer. I encourage you to look them up if you enjoyed their work.